0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of GDPR Now, a podcast dedicated to all things related to data security and data privacy, brought to you by Data Protection for Business. Your host today is me, Karen Heaton, owner of Data Protection for Business, recording from Southwest London. This episode is part of our series of updated podcasts which address security and privacy concerns resulting from the last two years during the coronavirus pandemic and the related shift in working practices for millions of businesses across the UK and the world. So we are delighted today to welcome back Andrew Alston, who's the founding director at Breach Aware, a business intelligence and business intelligence theorems. And today, Andrew is going to update us on the security related implications from the lockdowns and the working from home that was imposed upon many organisations and how that is now impacting SMAs. So Andrew is going to help us understand what the current issues are and explain some easy to implement solutions for lots of different types of organisations. So Andrew, welcome back. Thank you, Karen. Long time no see. Exactly. Yes, it's almost two years ago that you appeared on our show. So we're really pleased to have you back. Um, Can you just Explain to our listeners a little bit about BreachAware and what it does um, before we get started.
1: Yeah, hi. Well, BreachAware is a cybersecurity and reporting analytics company, and we focus on providing actionable intelligence to assist our customers to um, identifying if their privacy or if their organisation has been exposed and um, we also well goal our goal is to remains to help our customers improve their decision making on risk management so we just focus on the data and as soon as we find data on the dark web or the surface web uh, which is stolen data that's publicly available we inform the clients and and you can get a historical one historical reports or you get notified straight up to date our ethos, though, which is very important, we do provide a free scan because what we want to do, we want any company in the world, whether it's big or small, to take that first step to understand what their cyber hygiene is on the dark web. It's quite easy to do. It's important.
0: Yeah, well, I've done it quite a few times. In fact, obviously, as you know, I use your service for my um, personal account. Um, we can talk about that later, but but certainly, um, when you talk about privacy in particular you're talking about credentials, so usernames, passwords, potentially things like um, memorable words, etc. I mean, it can be, in theory, it could be anything, but obviously the ones that are really, as you said earlier, juicy and meaty for um, hackers are login details and passwords, yeah, because then they're going into systems.
1: It has changed since the pandemic. You bear in mind the, the sort of rich data types that criminals are after. I think when we last spoke, we were only monitoring 72 data types. And a data type, as you said, could be your IP address, partial credit cards, email address, and so on. But we're now adding in COVID, and because Bitcoin pays a lot, so your Bitcoin wallet. So there's all these different sorts of data types that are out there that are actually quite valuable to the criminal. Uh, In this mad, crazy world we live in, in 2022... Email is predominantly still used as a security feature in your security, which I think is bonkers. So, um, and that's the facts of life.
0: Yeah, and I'm not sure that's going to change terribly quickly. (laughs) So let's take our listeners back to the basics of cybersecurity. What is it? What do we mean when we talk about cybersecurity? Because I think that lots of people have got different ideas in their head when they talk about it. I think it'd be worth just sort of setting the foundations of the sorts of things that businesses need to think about and how that relates to the dark web scanning, etc., that your organisation can do.
1: So it doesn't matter what size of organisation you are, whether you're big or small, or even down to two, three people, there's two, three fundamental things about cybersecurity. And we have great debates when I talk to tech companies, what is cybersecurity, what does it mean? For, well, for, to us, our opinion is that it's about protecting your data. It's about privacy, full stop. And obviously, that is what we call about cybersecurity. But obviously, in order to deliver that, there's a number of elements you have to complete or do in order to protect your privacy or your data. Um, so obviously, this is technology element. We can't get away from the facts. You need the right technology, whether for a big company or a small company, to deploy the right services, whether they're firewalls, um, infrastructure cloud-based um a platform whatever that will enable you to run your business that will on its own not give you cyber security you know not give you 100 free risk so the next element which is really important element and sometimes is i think in our market is it's not pitched right to make it interesting and and sexy is governance that's processing governments. It's making sure that everyone complies to what the company is doing. Everyone's brought into a security culture in order to make sure that when they use your email address, they stick to compliance and they, they stick to the process and they don't do any third party interaction without anyone knowing and so on. Then the third element is the people element, which is protecting the people, educating the people and if you educate your staff and you train your staff and you, and that's from the top, from a CEO or a, a owner of a small a company for a brewery or a, a small retailer, right down to the bottom and you create that security culture. So it's about people, process, governance and technology. That is what I call cybersecurity. That's a cybersecurity strategy. It is a challenge.
0: It is a challenge. It's a challenge for organizations who don't have big, deep pockets. They don't have big budgets for not just IT spend, because it's all often assumed the IT guy is going to take IT guy or girl is going to take care of it. But actually, as you've just described, it's about governance. Well, that that comes from the management team and it's about people and educating them. And that comes through, you know, HR and the other areas like that. So. You're right, it's it's really important for businesses to understand it's not just about having a firewall in place.
1: And to implement the, the cultural side, it's all about tactics and strategy. You know, how do you get everyone on board? How do you make it relevant to them? So when you see, I might digress here, when you see a breach on TV and you see, you always go through to the finance element. That company has got a ransomware of £5 million Dollars or re- revenue loss of X, Y, Z, and the people don't. They don't. They don't look at the people elements. They could, but people look at the, people, the employees, the supply chain, and the the hidden costs of and, uh, and personal costs to that. So, oh my God, that person in that company won't get paid, or and then they've got a mortgage to pay, or they're or they're on rent, or they got their kids are going away. It's all that element that's missed out and our understanding of the risk of a breach. So it's a bigger thing than just a media item which says breaches five million dollars and they've lost revenue so you've really got to take on that whole thing
0: i mean and i couldn't agree more lots of uh, businesses small and medium-sized businesses that i work with they all struggle with this you know i say do you have an information security policy do you have any procedures because you can't train people unless you've got a set unless you've got something to tell them and so you need your organisational policy and procedure around information and data security designed and, and, and created so that you can train your people in it. And training also has a cost element to it as well.
1: Well, yes, you do need a budget. Well, you don't need a big budget. You, you do need a budget to focus on protecting your business. And you don't want to frighten people off, SMEs can't afford the, the, the budgets that big companies have. You know, the big companies all talk about zero-trust environments. Well, that doesn't apply to assessment. It's far too expensive. So the approach is about bite-size uh, changes. And you can make some small changes to the way you do things and not a high cost. So the whole thing about the pandemic and people working from home, if you've got an organisation where you're working from home, and that's opened the door to so many opportunities for cyber attacks. But you can make small changes in your, the way you work and practices in order to reduce the risk. And it's all about reducing the risk. I went to a fantastic presentation about just before the pandemic, and I, I cursed myself for not writing down the source of the information. There's a guy at the top, and he was we we're talking about education and training people. And it's not about training people at, to a high degree. It's just about making people more aware of what to do. And he came up with some crazy figure saying that if you educate and train your staff, the risk of you getting compromised actually reduces proportionally wise by 80%, which is a big number. Whether that applies now, still a big number, even if it's 50%, it's still a big number. So it, it, and those little things can make a big difference. So I've even trained my parents who are 85 and 86, you know, and it's really important because the amount of scams they get. And if you take that training back home to your kids and your parents, you know, it's you're winning a little war, but you're reducing risk.
0: That's that I totally agree. My mum knows not to open stuff, my daughter as well. So uh, I, I totally agree with that. Um, something we've mentioned briefly there, which I think we should just expand on here before we go any further, is your data supply chains and the technology footprint of organizations. The, the amount of times that, you know, when I ask, organizations to look at their um, data and information supply chains. We go through a list of all the uh, technology products they're using and I say, well, you know, what are their security standards? Oh, it's fine. They're in AWS or they're in the cloud with Google. It's all fine. Well, actually, no, it isn't all fine because as you mentioned earlier, you know, cybersecurity is about governance and training and education as well as technical solutions around physically protecting your data. So what observations do you have around organisations, information and data supply chains, and what on earth they can do to try and reduce the risk of something happening somewhere down the chain?
1: So I, I can talk from experience here. We use uh, Amazon AD, AWS, and I see articles or feedback that or Microsoft 365, and they think just by implementing these tools, they're secure. But when you implement these tools, you have to make sure that they're configured correctly and they're up to date and they're patched correctly. It's not down to Microsoft and Amazon to tell you how to configure it. They'll give you some manuals and everything. It's up to you to actually configure it. Obviously, when there's a vulnerability, they then provide the patch. But it's up to you to maintain that. Um, So it goes on and on and on. It's making sure you're on top of all the functionality, features, and you've applied it right. So an AWS or Azure is quite a complex beast. uh, And we're continually looking at it to make sure that we're not being, you know, where are the vulnerabilities? And it was interesting because when we looked at the vulnerabilities, the vulnerabilities go down to the physical element as well. So where your data is sitting on a cloud, well, and you have to physically see where the cloud is. Obviously I I can't do that because it's on the Azure platform.
0: But it is somewhere. It's sitting in a data center somewhere on a server.
1: But it's so important. So keeping... I cannot underestimate you should always patch. Always keep aware of the products you're using. So there was a breach that just came out a couple of days ago. And it was um, the NAS service run by... Their, well, Cronus, Cronus got done with the private clouds. And they provide... All the workforce management tools to the top 50% of the top Fortune 14, 14 500 companies, where the ransomware was implemented on their actual private cloud. Um, and the ramifications to all those companies, and they're a pretty good companies, they're fantastic companies. And I bet they've got fantastic IT teams and CISOs and everything. That's out of their control when their third party supplier has ransomware and it's automatically impacted on them. So for instance, they got they had the ransomware attack, I think it was in January, and all the, the supply chain ramifications are coming out. Now Puma, the sports equipment company, has been affected. No one got paid in the States, all the workers, and it's going on and on and on. So if your hardware, software, IT supplier gets compromised, you then have to go into your own sort of uh, remedial actions in order to minimise the the risk.
0: Yeah, I mean, and I think it's hard for organisations to really map out their whole supply chain because it may not be clear. So lots of businesses use software as a service. They subscribe to HR systems, accounting systems, CRM systems. And rarely do they look under the cover and do any kind of decent due diligence on what are their security standards which subprocessors do they use where is the data located where do the subprocessors reside do they have adequacy agreements for the uk or the eu or not and it's a, it can be a bit of a minefield for some organizations
1: so we, we had a we had a company i can't name whose supply chain and don't forget supply chain the definition of supply chain takes into account your customer Uh, one of the manufacturers providing this company, uh, their kit got compromised and it caused an issue with them. It didn't cause a big issue, but caused an issue. It's like a delay of production for two days, a loss of earnings and so on. So obviously they use our service and we've been monitoring their domain to see if it comes up to see if any of their data has been compromised. And they said... Andrew, can we monitor their domain? And I was thinking, well, no, I can't do that. However, I can monitor the top-level domain. So let's call them Bolt Manufacture. I can, uh, at Bolt Manufacture, I can t- t- cover that domain as long as you tick the compliance that you're monitoring it based on a um, prevention of crime, blah, blah, blah. And if it pops up in a breach that you get notified on, you can then inform them to say, hey, Bolt Manufacturer, um, we're using Breachware, we're, we're doing this on the case of not, you know, criminal blah, blah, blah. And um, you've come up and we find these data sets. Uh, but there's no privacy issues. There's no naming of people. It's just tagged, anonymized data sets.
0: So this is a very easy to use early warning system because the Bolt Manufacturer in the scenario may not know at that point been breached.
1: Well, it's about risk management. That's what it comes down to. So, I mean, I'm doing a sales plug here. What we've done, obviously, we offer ourselves at twenty five pounds a month uh, plus taxes. What we've done, if you wanted to add on your supply chain on top of it, it's an additional one pound per month per domain, because it's just a bit of no brainer. Most people, when they think about breaches or when they think about data, when they see things on on the news or they get really scared about it, it is quite scary. They have this complex sophisticated image of a cyber attack. Most of the the supply chain is the soft underbelly of cyber. So cyber criminals, all they want to do is to attack the vulnerable and underprepared. When you look at cyber criminals, don't look at them in a dark dingy room with a beard, you know, with a baseball hat. These are very professional people, motivated people. And their aim is to make money and they're on the game and we have to be on our game.
0: So sadly, that old adage of you're only as strong as your weakest link absolutely applies in this scenario. Even if a large organisation is using a relatively small supplier, if their cyber hygiene or security hygiene isn't up to scratch, the likelihood is that they, they might be the one to be attacked uh, and not the, the big company with all their bells and whistles in place.
1: And I know we're going to be talking about what—know uh, you some tips for or ideas for what you do if you're a new organisation working from home and somewhere, but you'll be amazed the amount of people who use a work email address and purchase things. We just saw a breach come in today. It was a French breach. I um, haven't got the name of it in front of me. Uh, fortunately only one of our customers got hooked up on this, but it was a holiday company. So when you look at breaches, you look at data, people think about banks and everything else. What, what the hackers want is rich data. Holiday companies is just a gem because you've got, not only you've got your home address, you've got your gender, you've got your partial credit cards, you know when you're going on holiday, you've got your account activity, you might have an avatar. Um, so fortunately, only one person out of all, all of our data, all of our companies, we've got quite a few hundred, got caught out.
0: But, but also, in that scenario, I know you might have touched on this previously, but quite especially regulated organisations, they do not allow their staff to use their work email addresses to buy for personal purchases, like holidays or theatre tickets, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, w- one would assume that it's against policy to do that. And then...
1: You're assuming... One would assume I've seen instances of doing presentations to to organisations that cover our our government departments, and they've got a zero tolerance for anyone using work email address and for third party usage. And I, I came up with over a thousand compromises. So all comes back to the very thing you said at the beginning was what is cybersecurity? It's about technology, it's about governance, uh, and it's about people, yeah. And it's all about security culture. It's all about getting those thousand people to say we're part of the company. I understand it, I care about it. Um, From the CEO down to the bottom, simple things like
0: that. Enforcing that could be a nice, easy solution for organisations or employees or contractors or anyone that has your business email And using your business domain is not allowed to use it for personal purposes.
1: Yeah. And I don't like the word enforcing it, making sure everyone complies with it, enforcing it. But if you go to the staff and you say, I know we're digressing, but we're talking about security. And it's, it's just a turn off, isn't it? It's all about the tactics and strategy in order to get them to come on board to drive it forward. And if small company, big company, SMEs don't usually have CISOs, but it's also having someone there to drive it forward. With enthusiasm, passion, but make it relatable. So, and if we make it relatable, pull that back to your family. That's another thing. So,
0: exactly. And that, I mean, I'm constantly scanning our personal. We've got our own personal domain for our family, for personal stuff, and it's being scanned by your service as we speak because we want to know if any of our email addresses have been used.
1: I saw a million email addresses up for sale for twenty bucks the other day. So, just buy stuff, you know. But of course, we don't do it because it's unethical and you're just perpetuating the cyber criminal market. So
0: $20, a million, well, a million email addresses. So let's talk a bit about, you know, the easy to implement things that um, organisations can do and can think about. Some bite sized things they can you know, take away, hopefully after listening to us describe the problem, let's give them some solutions.
1: So let's picture an organisation where people are working from home. I know some people are like going back to the office or are slowly going back to the factory or the shop or whatever. Uh, one of the key things that I'm slightly paranoid about, if you're working from home, you're always working on an unsecure home network connection. I always I always, I have a VPN. Um, I also have a mesh network. I know that doesn't make a big difference. But... The most of the routers that are supplied by the main telcos, that tend to be secure home network, network connections. I know because of the telco I use, they, they provide some Norton software. But it still doesn't stop someone looking down at your router, seeing your admin name, and seeing your activity. And then maybe then accessing it by right that
0: way. This is a good one, actually. Just because your router's got a, a very long password, that's 16, 17 digits long. What you're saying here is that's just not enough.
1: No, I just recommend you go via a VPN because it just takes that it take the IP address away from the user IP um, uh, IP address.
0: Without going down the VPN route, is there any other way of working with the telco to do that through some sort of router configuration or?
1: Well, if, if you're if you're an SME, you would be employing deploying a firewall back at in the cloud. So the firewall will monitor the traffic and block any malicious activity. Many home routers will not have a firewall in place which can lead to potential security gaps. If you're using your your own device you might not have a firewall on it. If you're using a work device, I should imagine, he says, I know this is like I'm living in Nirvana here, you would have a compliance hardware which has been configured correctly. We do know there's a lot of news articles during the pandemic that because there was such a rush to get everyone at home product productivity up, it was a bit of difficulty to make sure that most of the kit was compliant. So uh, the criminals were just making hay. So. Uh,
0: secure connection, so VPN uh, or firewalls on your routers.
1: The other one is, I think this is a big one uh, also, is you'll find that um, when you're working from home, you've got more use of online tools with more reliance on technology Businesses all are more susceptible to to, um, cyber threats. So, and because more tasks are being completed online, it's a case of managing it and making it secure in order to reduce the risk. So, you know, we're we're using cloud storage, we're using emails, attachments, instant messages, third-party services. This obviously opens up an avenue for the cyber to infiltrate company accounts. So what you need to do is just tighten down on what they're able to do. That's a difficult thing. I do know that. Uh, we're all human. You might use a device and go off and buy a wheelbarrow and then, the, and then suddenly gardens for us are, are compromised. So, and then the data, that's, you know, just little things like that. Then it goes back to the cultural thing and the training I was telling you about employees if you're working from home can't spot scams so again going back to that education side as you say the biggest weakness or the the most prevalent cyber attacks come from phishing Uh, it's still going on i look at them i love a good i love good phishing email if someone's done a lot of hard work and they've got all the right features i struggle with them sometimes so what happens when someone else who's not in the industry looks at it, It doesn't check the email address or the URL at the top, and then...
0: Yeah, but young people and older people and people alike as well as people, you know, working who are really busy and you haven't got time to sometimes double check. If you're expecting an email from from BT or Microsoft and one comes in it's a phishing one, you may not think to stop and go, hold on a second, might this really be from Microsoft?
1: I think as a human, is that you're more preoccupied with day-to-day tasks, aren't you, than cybersecurity threats. So you tend to drop off anyway. So if a scam comes in, you're not going to see it. And I think during a pandemic, I do know this, that during a pandemic, phishing emails increase ridiculously. So And they're just improving, improving, improving. It's it's making sure that you don't lose sight of the, the security concerns. So it goes back to my point about people and the process, people in the training. And, and and linked into the technology
0: yeah so some of the basic things can be the most effective
1: now one of the most effective things is um read passwords you know making sure you're
0: use strong passwords
1: you have strong passwords you have a password manager um you can there's a number of great tools out there i won't name the tools i use it's quite a famous one you do not leave your uh, email address in your browser um that is sacrilege in our company. So when you log in next time, it's got your email address there. You just don't do that. You have to log into your password manager, which will let you go in. And I know it's a pain. It's another two, two minutes of your life wandering by through your security policy. It's addressing the convenience of life versus security.
0: But there's lots of pass- there's password managers built into your browsers. Are you saying not use those?
1: Well, the way I've got a password manager, I make sure I quit it and log out. None of my passwords are actually within the browser. If I physically want to go onto connection, I physically have to go into my password manager, get the password and
0: implement it. That's really useful. And are some of these password manager tools, I mean, are they free they can't be free, are they? You might have to pay a, a nominal amount. Yeah. One of the ones I like,
1: um, that one of the guys uses is a last pass. Um, I think that's 30 quid a year. Great And you can share. You can, and also you can share passwords safely. Uh, if, you, if you're an admin you want to create some access, you know, you can do it. Um, and if you think about 30 quid a year, that's what? That's £3, £2.80 a month. Divide that by four, you know, that's 70p a week.
0: It's not a coffee in London, but it's probably a coffee somewhere else. Well, that's another
1: point. That's another point. Someone was talking. Uh, it's always funny about data in our business. I'm going to go back to breach. I apologise. And we were talking about technology and all the, the amount of money they spent on the, uh, the infrastructure. And they spent quite a lot, it, lot on it. And they forgot about the oil that runs through the, the data. And we are talking about our products. And I, I used it in a letter to them about the supply chain one. They were quibbling over one pound, which I, I found quite amusing. But I um, went onto the Tesco's website and checked out how much a pack of four Mars bars cost, and it cost one pound twenty-five. I sent an email back saying it costs you less than one Mars bar a week, and you save the calories. <laughs> Let's—if you put that into perspective, it's like making security, cybersecurity interesting. Make it relevant.
0: Yeah, and a bit of fun if we can. And it's like, the I service
1: £25 a month. It's like, that's a bottle of, and this sounds quite pretentious, house red in a London restaurant, isn't it? Or,
0: oh, you're lucky. <laughs> or it's a box of wine somewhere else.
1: Or as my mates say, it's a few gallons of beer down in South Wales, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you've got to make it relevant. And that whole point of making it relevant to everyone, it, rather than making it highbrow, complex, makes it, you know, people buy into it excellent
0: oh they're really useful uh easy to implement and understand more to the point solutions for organizations and maybe some people are doing it but certainly a lot of you know startup businesses owner occupy owner run businesses where they've got a million one things to do yeah they may not have these things in place
1: yeah i i, I this is one final thing if you're a small company you uh, there's a couple of things you might need to have a guide on there's a great National Cybersecurity um, Center has got a great um, link, Small Business Guide to Cybersecurity.
0: National Cybersecurity Center.
1: It's brilliant. And it just gives you some really good tips on some of the technologies that you can um, uh, deploy.
0: Yeah, there's been some advertising on that recently, I think as well, so. Um...
1: I, I don't necessarily agree with all of them, but it's it's a great, it's all about small steps it's all about you know and it, and also it makes it relevant to you because it, depending what sort of organisation you are you might not want to do this you might you might want to do something else so yeah i I'd highly recommend it looking it up
0: okay brilliant excellent well that was really interesting andrew nice and lighthearted and not too difficult useful tips for organisations and individuals and families you know to get their heads around any Other closing remarks you would have for any of our listeners?
1: There's so many good sources of data out there on Google or Brave or whatever, uh, search engine use. If you need advice, just start asking the question. I know you'll come back with lots of ads. Just start asking the question, what do I do? How do I do it? And do a bit of research. It's all about investing time yeah, in order to make the right decisions. And there's great experts out there like yourself that can advise and take you forward full stop. So a bit of a mutual appreciation society.
0: But... <laughs> well, it's a Friday after all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not that anybody knows that. So, It's a Friday and the sun's out. So uh, well, is as we're recording Okay, well, unfortunately, that brings us to the end of this episode of GDPR now. So, Andrew, if you're, any of our listeners want to contact you, um, we'll put all your details in the show notes. And to our listeners, if there's any issues or questions you'd like addressed, please send them to info at dpo4business.co.uk. Or if you want to appear on the podcast as well, just let me know. So thanks for listening and thanks again to Andrew. It's always a pleasure. And take care and stay safe. Bye.